Brand new episode of the Genre Equality Podcast. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. And welcoming back. I sir, uh, I'm back. Uh, yeah, he's back from a Bali vacation, a little sabbatical, shall mm-hmm. we say? Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much to Christopher Falk last month for, for filling in. in. Yeah. yeah, I know. I uh, we talked uh, about Mitsomar and Joker yeah, yeah. And, and a bunch of other stuff. So that's great. But I mean. Our regular team is back. Uh, yeah, man. The quote unquote A team. <laughs> the A team. <laughs> the A team. Mm. This is our our first bench, lah. You know. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, this month we'll be talking about a lot of uh, cool new stuff as well. Um, unfortunately, um, a lot of the big titles such as you know the Mandalorian and, and Watchmen and also. and all that, you know, really really major things yeah. we'll be covering in December. Yeah. But there are still some quality things that we can talk about this month, uh, yeah. including the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, yeah. the final season of The Man in High Castle, yeah. sequel to Zombie Land, uh, The Lighthouse, the sequel to Frozen, tons of good stuff. And for my poll, this I'm going to be talking a little bit about the last part of, uh, but, but kind of like I guess a celebration of the legacy of yeah. the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which yeah. just ended its uh, run. fantastic run yeah. uh, earlier this month. How long has the run been? Two years, is it? It's been, ooh, um, about a nine years. The decade new one is, is already a decade. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, because I just started reading. Twenty ten, twenty eleven ish lah. Yeah. Or maybe twenty twelve around that, but close to a decade for okay. sure, definitely. Because they had the first initial eight issue run. Yeah. And then they rebooted again to a new number one. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. Did. So it's. Oh, that's the one that I read lah. Yeah la. Okay. Correct, correct, correct. Anyways, uh, let's begin with uh Doctor Sleep, I guess. Uh, who caught Doctor Sleep amongst us? Me. Yes, me too. Uh, also, I saw, we all caught it. We that's, all caught it. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in, in my opinion, I think we're all really big fla- fans of Flans. <laughs> okay, the reason why you're asking who caught it is because we had to watch it separately. La. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess, like, uh, the term for Mike Flanagan fans are yeah. Flans. Not uh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> flans, la, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were all big fans <laughs> of uh, Mike Flanagan here, who, uh, of course, did The Haunting of Hill House, one of the best series from last year. Mm, uh, Gerald's Game, which another Stephen King adaptation yes. on Netflix. The one the guy got stuck. Uh, no, the woman. Woman, uh, yes, yeah. Gina, Car- Gina Carano. Uh, fuck, I forgot her name. Uh, the lady that the, who plays the mom in yeah, the yeah. of Hill House. Yeah, I forgot yeah. her name. It's Gina <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Gina uh, Carano is in the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, that's right, and also a, f- a former MMA, <laughs> MMA fighter. fighter. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, one of the best horror auteurs working today, uh, and uh, I, I do have to say, I really, really liked his take on uh, Doctor Sleep. Uh, despite his uh, disappointing box office, yeah. uh, and really mixed reviews. Um, although it's based on Stephen King's follow-up novel To The Shining Also called Doctor Sleep uh, Flanagan somehow manages to Reconcile both Stephen King And Stanley Kubrick's Radically different versions of The Shining uh, mm. King famously hates Kubrick's film Yeah, he did To create a sequel <laughs> that is worthy of both legacies um, So here's the premise yeah. uh, Doctor Sleep is the continuation of Danny Torrance's story Sorry, the little boy la, in The Shining Now adult version played by Ewan McGregor 40 years later Obi-Wan Still irrevocably scarred by the trauma he endured as a child at you know, the Overlook Hotel Correct. Uh, Dan Torrance has fought to find some semblance of peace And put to rest his father's demons uh, Not just the supernatural ones uh, He's inherited his father's alcoholism as yep. well uh, but that piece is shattered when he encounters a girl called Abra, uh, a teenager with what can only be described as uh, omega-level shining powers. Z- yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's um, like zero-level power. Yeah. Uh, so Dan is compelled to help her against a villain called Rose the Hat and her followers called the True Knots, yes. uh, a group of shining, for lack of a better term, vampires uh, who feed off the shine of innocence yeah. in their quest for immortality. Therefore, they live long. Yes, not, not, not forever. Yeah, uh, live long and, and eat all. Yes, yes. Uh, so I think Mike Flanagan does his best to honor the classic film and King's books in smart ways. Mm. So um, I mean, let, let's kick it off. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. Uh, what do you think about it? Uh, the sh- I mean, it's been a while since I watched The Shining. Yeah, I I never read the books by the way. Okay. So th- I this was totally new for me. Mm. Um, I, I think one of the best descriptions that was something that Hitze said. Uh, over private text, I think, mm. when he called it a superhero movie. It is a superhero movie. Yeah. Guy. For the most part la. Yeah 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 People with powers Fighting each other yeah, yeah. One good side One bad exactly. side Exactly yeah. And that was I thought the perfect uh, Description for it la. Yeah um, I loved uh, I, I love Ewan McGregor's Acting in this mm. He's such a good uh, Tortured soul 
Um, his journey was great too. Um, the story is quite fast. I didn't find it very like you know, I didn't. I, I thought the pace of the movie was quite good. It's two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it didn't feel like it didn't feel long. Hours. Yeah. Um, and the character of Abra <laughs> is fantastic. Life, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girl plays her well. Uh, I like the. Um, well, we're not doing spoilers yet, right? Yeah. I don't think we'll do spoilers for this one. Uh. Just try to keep it like you know in general. Yeah, in general. What, what I mean, the the way that they set up the villains mm-hmm. and how, uh, the power levels of the villains and. Ebra and Doc, um and what's his name? Rose. Ro- Ro- Dan, what what Dan 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 yeah, yeah Dan, yeah. Dan is a normal shining level user. Like, yeah, normal yeah. shining level user. Is he yeah. really? I mean, I mean, he learned the trick of, uh, you know, I from a young age. I don't from a young think age. like I feel like they've established that he could have been Ebra level at when he was young. Yeah, yeah. But, but he tortured too much, like, You know. Yeah, 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 probably. But yeah, overall movie was fun. Um. I didn't get why it was mixed reviews though, mm-hmm. because uh, it, it wasn't uh, quite. Li- I I think I had I had big issues with the third act. Ah, uh, uh, okay, 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 okay. Huge issues with the third act. Uh, I mean, not to spoil anything, but there was some uh, recasting decisions that took me out of the movie for quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, I figured that would be your thing, lah. Also, it felt a bit too. Uh, the third act felt a bit too convenient in the sense that. Sure, the iconography of the Overlook Hotel was used very well. Yes, uh, but so it too. felt a bit like a member berries, as South Park would say. Oh, remember this ghost, remember that ghost, remember that ghost. Yeah, uh, you know, okay, that kind okay, of thing. Okay, okay, it, okay. And I don't think it used it to full effect. All but right. where I did like, what I did like about the third act was the kind of subversion of some of the iconography, like for yeah. example, the blood in the elevator. Yes, you know, flooding yeah. and oh, and, and 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 different people's reactions to it, like, Because you know, Jack and and his mother, yeah. uh, sorry, Dan, his mother and Jack had. A hor- horrified reaction to yeah, that, uh, whereas yeah. Rose had an amused reaction to that. You know, so yeah. things like that. You know, different perspectives. I like that, lah. Different generation, ma. Yeah, 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 and and one is a more, I guess, veteran supernatural person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I like the full circle that comes at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You feel that yeah, lah. The, the end is the start, lah. Yeah. Yeah, I like. The, I I I actually give. I mean, I I actually have very positive things to say about this. What movie. about uh, Isa? Yeah. Oh, I think it. I. Generally for me Like Dr. Sleep When you first said That it was probably The best superhero movie That we had this year I had a bit of trouble With that But I totally understand What you mean mm. I think as far as The exploration of that idea goes M. Night needs to take notes yeah. As to how Like a gritty Kind of like Superhero genre movie Would mm. kind of work Like there's so many things here That I think Glass would have benefit, uh, benefited yes, from Yes Something that I also thought Right well. uh, Like a lot of the time As we were exploring Abra's powers And the whole like Psychic battles Like it's something that We've seen over the last Couple of years With Glass uh, With uh, Legion For yeah, example Yeah uh, uh, Creative uh, Visual representations Of psychic battles Yeah And yeah. so far This is probably The best executed That I, I've, I've seen Yeah man Yeah In recent time uh, At least um, Yeah Overall I really like the movie I did have my issues With the, the third act And I think For me It wasn't so much I mean Like I didn't really like The elevator blood scene Okay Yeah I, I just Kind of thought like uh, in, in general A lot of the throwbacks That they had that involved bringing back these uh, iconic kind of scenes and characters yeah. did not feel satisfying to me, mm. right? Uh, what I found interesting is that as Dan is walking through the Overlook Hotel when he's trying to uh, wake it up, right? Yeah. Uh, I felt a fo- I felt this trepidation mm. while he's walking through the halls, right? That the actual reminder of the scenes from the original Shining movie were far more terrifying than actually seeing those mm. figures come back mm. or actually seeing the blood come out of the elevator as well. Like, the revisiting of that space triggered more fear in me than the actual, like, scenes that he was trying to play, pay mm. tribute to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all in all, like, I really enjoyed the way that they told it. I thought the character the developments were really, really good, even for the minor characters themselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what's her name? Kieran Curran? The the girl is uh, sure. Abra. Abra, yeah, oh, she's yeah. she's amazing. Yeah, typically child actors are annoying. Yeah, uh, she isn't one of those. She's a, and she's she's stone cold. She's yeah. like yeah. she has a dark side to her. Absolutely shining. stone yeah, cold, well, yeah. which is uh, which Even was refreshing without any training, like without any like 
provocation from anyone else. Yeah, she's like, natural. She was just natural. Like As opposed to the rest of the true not who have been around for hundreds of years, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? So you, you get why they're good, but Abra shouldn't be that good. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was so, uh, refreshing. There, there's something that I was afraid of, like that Mary Sue quality. Like, yeah. Right. She might be too powerful and, you know, without any... But then again, she's a special case. Like. Yeah, no, she is. And I think the, the Jean Grey trope has been there since the 70s. Yeah, exactly. It's been there a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It was all good, yeah. So I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I felt like I mean, some some of the things just rubbed me in the wrong way in terms of like the way in which he tried to pay tribute to that. Mm. Okay. Uh, and all in the third act, though. All I in the, the third first act. Yeah, the first two acts were the first acts very yeah. were nearly perfect, yeah. in yeah. my opinion. It didn't have much throwbacks. I'm just a few, you know. No, yeah, I, yeah. I think this movie shines best when yeah. it it, stri- it stays away from the shining yeah. and becomes a real sequel uh, that explores different avenues, yeah. you know, yeah. sl- such as trauma mm. or genetic trauma or yeah. generational trauma. Uh, Is it like that the third act you required the the, the Overlook Hotel, uh, you know? Because I I think it was kind of mostly thrown in there. It almost felt like a studio note. It's like, hey, can we just you know remind people that this is a Shining movie Movie sequel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they called it Doctor Sleep, not you know Doctor Sleep. The Shining colon a a, a Shining story (laughs) or something. The story. (laughs) But uh, but to be fair, they might have actually done better at the box office if people knew it was a Shining sequel. Maybe. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, as much as we love Ewan McGregor, he's not like the most superstar superstar guy, lah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but his his performance was, was phenomenal. Great, yeah. Like every time a, a drink came out. And like, after seeing The Mandalorian, I kind of want to see Obi Wan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To be directed by uh, Deborah Chow, who yeah, exactly. recently did the third episode. Which phenomenal. Was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought this was. Uh, I mean, less of horror, more of a dark fantasy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with some terrifying elements. Uh, I think there is one. Child murder that is quite yeah, wow. quite Damn. gruesome. It yeah, was it was very very gruesome. More gruesome than anything in the first film, actually. Uh, and as great as that was you know, another good child actor, by the way. Uh, uh Jacob Tremblay, yeah. right? If I'm not mistaken, I mean, in a very small role. Very small, like maybe I did he do this before he became famous. Jacob no, Tremblay right. cannot be right. I don't know. He's been famous. Like it feels like he's been famous Fame longer, forever, longer right? than I've been alive, which is not possible. <laughs> yeah, I know. But maybe he is a shining user, and he's been you know. Eating well Eating well yeah. Uh, yeah I mean I thought like Eben was great I thought the girl who played um, Abra was great uh, I, To be honest I, I really thought that like, Dr. Sleep belonged to uh, Rebecca Ferguson mm-hmm. Who oh, is just yeah. um, Spectacularly charismatic As Rose the Hat uh, so the, the leader of the Coolest vampire crew Since the Lost Boys Oh not <laughs> since uh, Not since uh, What's this Twilight no, I mean like remember like when I watched The Lost Boys, you thought yeah. Kiva's crew was like just I mean they're villains of course yeah, you're yeah. rooting against them, but they're like cool heels la. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. love them so much. Yeah, exactly. And I was really in love with that group of villains who all have cool names like Snakebit Andy and and mm-hmm. Crow Daddy, Daddy who's who's played by <laughs> Akachita from West Westworld. Yes. Uh yeah yeah I'm um, just fantastic stuff. I really like that. Okay. Uh, the villains were very well fleshed out. Mm-hmm. The well, character yes. work is great. Awesome psychic battles. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is admittedly a bit overlong. The third act had issues, but for the most part, you know, dug it. Yeah, dug it. I'll, I'll give it like a seven out of ten. Yeah, I'll give it a seven and a half. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I mean, I would I would go much higher if not for the third act, like, which All I right. had severe yeah. issues with. But I mean, go watch Doctor Sleep, guys. They need your money. Yeah. Uh, and this was a very it deserves w- your money. Deserves your money, and I really want like Mike Flanagan to get more work from big name studios yeah. because you know he clearly. Can do a superhero movie And maybe he should <laughs> Who knows You know uh, If like there is A Ghost Rider movie Or something Supernatural of that ilk You know Or like Morbius Or something yeah. You know And like, yeah, those coming Constantine out Constantine Constantine You know uh, yeah. Justice League Dark Whatever lah Give it to yeah. Mike Flanagan la. Yeah lah Yeah yeah Or you know There are like 500 other Stephen King books He could adapt oh, When he was on cocaine Yeah <laughs> and, and, and we're talking about Last week you know This is how Quickly he writes Amazing uh, We'll be talking about Next uh, The fourth Season of The Man in the High Castle Yeah the You don't do Zombieland first? Uh, no, we'll do it later la. okay. the, the fourth and final season Of The Man in the High Castle well, that, This is fun Yeah uh, it's, it's, uh, If you don't know I mean we've kind of been Enjoying this series Based on Philip K. Dick's novel Which yeah. uh, posits An alternate history Where yeah. the Axis A.K.A. You know, Imperial Japan Nazi Germany mm-hmm. Won World War II mm-hmm. Conquered America mm-hmm. Um, this TV Split adi- in two Split it in two Exactly uh, The TV adaptation Of The Man in High Castle Has gone through Many ups and downs As a series It's gone through Three different showrunners uh, And its quality Has wildly fluctuated Because of that Yeah But in my opinion At the very least The fourth and final season Is, is best to date la. Yeah uh, Which is how a, sh- a show Should go la. Sure yeah, yeah yeah. But with yet another Set of showrunners At the home uh, This time Daniel Percival And David Scarpa Who replaced Eric Overmeyer Who oversaw <laughs> the third season 
uh, High Castle launches its final phase with, with much of its original cast actually out of yeah. this picture. Joe Died. and Frank were both killed at the end of last season. Yeah. Uh, but given the existence of a multiverse of alternate Earths, uh, the actors could have been brought back as alt versions to their characters. But no time. Not only does that not happen, but Ed is nowhere to be seen, and most surprisingly, Tagomi, the man who first pierced the dimensional barrier, Die. exits early in the new season, yeah. and he was never on screen. Nope. Whether Zero this type. whether this decision was creative or contractual, yeah. perhaps you know, uh, maybe he just didn't want to come back. Yeah. It feels abrupt and almost disrespectful to the character's yeah. huge importance to the mythology. That's what I thought too. Uh, okay, all that aside, the political plot of the Jap- I'm gonna talk about bad stuff first, lah. Go ahead. The Japanese Pacific states kind of stuck on repeat with the same plot over and over again. The Kido, rebels are here. Kido hunting resistance fighters, and then his loyalty is tested. You know. Yeah. Stop. Again. Yeah. Um. That, uh, but on the flip side the, the story of John Smith And Juli- Juliana Crane Are the highlight of the show yeah. as, as it's always been yeah. uh, And there's a new twist Of the resistance on, In the JPS The introduction of the Black communist rebels, rebels. Uh, Provides plenty of action And intrigue And new motivation yeah. uh, In particular Unlike the other American resistance groups BCR Got no love for the United States bro. Ooh, I mean yeah lah Because what has the United States Given them lah All the good guys Want to return Things to the way they were yeah, but the African Americans are keenly aware that America has treated them no better than the fascists. Exactly, you know, and because this is an interesting point of time, because when our timelines diverge to this, yeah, there was no civil rights movement. Yeah, there was no you know Martin Luther King Jr., no Malcolm X. No, I mean, last they remember was Jim Crow. Exactly. Yeah. So therefore, why the hell do they have the loyalty to this country, lah? Yeah, that, I mean, no to them, to it, this isn't that particularly bad. Separate, uh, segregation is still around. Yeah, yeah. When when they were free, lah. Yeah. Quote so unquote. it's interesting that they do not want to return to United States. They wanted yeah. an independent state of themselves. Yeah. You know, very very fascinating. Very cr- That's a new yeah. part that I wish I had been explored earlier. Yeah, instead of the last part. I think yeah. it's a new idea by the new showrunners, lah. Yeah. And I'm glad they got to do it, Because this is way past the books, really. I think right? second season was way past. Yeah, the way books. past the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the books ended with her meeting the man in the high castle, right? I mean, the actual man in the high castle barely had anything to do with the season besides be a prisoner. Well, and a propaganda... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, an interesting Twilight Zone uh, spin-off. I right? loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think about this, like, in general? You know? In general, um, I just wish it was a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had fun with it. I, had, I loved the John Smith story. Mm-hmm. Um, his... And his, it's a very nice wrap up. I feel for a character for, for John Smith, specific, yeah, specifically from season yeah. one to season four yeah. was brilliantly done throughout all yeah. the seasons. I mean, even doing the bad quote unquote bad seasons, right? Mm. I felt John Smith's story was always a bit more compelling. Mm. Um, his his rise through the you know the ranks of the Nazis, I mean, almost the protagonist to be honest, like in, in a way, in, in a yeah, bad kind of way. In yeah, more so than uh, like Juliana Cream, yeah, yeah. yeah, who has taken like you know sabbatical, so she's not around. I think Juliana because she is reactionary and yeah. John Smith is proactive yeah. in the plot, so yeah. I think that's why we kind of feel that he is more of a driver than Juliana. Uh, Although Juliana is part of the good guys, lah. Yeah, and also like the main protagonist, lah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was great. Um, Kido's character also had a nice little, uh, yeah, uh, circular moment, lah. I felt that he had. I felt that Kido's character has like been through this arc like four times. Yeah. Like in every season. <laughs> like fuck this. So rebels. like I, this is the best version of that arc, but uh, I wish that you know something new for him. Yeah. I, I guess his son was new, lah. The son they, part, they, la, yeah. they introduced his son. Yeah. That was new. Um, I, I really like though That the final season Kind of restores The philosoph- more philo- philosophical questions That Dick wrestled with To a certain extent Yeah uh, Were the choices That made us Who we are Ever really ours to make yeah. uh, Did we get To our place in life Through sheer luck And if so How easily could things Have gone the other way You know Correct. Uh, When John Smith Sees his other life hmm. uh, Would you be the same person Under any circumstances um, If you found out That you were The worst possible version Of yourself Like yeah. John Smith this is This was the dark timeline la. Uh, Darkest, darkest timeline, timeline. Uh, Like would it be too late To change um, Yeah I mean This is kind of something That other shows I guess like Counterpart has done Way better I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, the man in High also Does a good job At being The basic Bitch version Of counterpart Okay yeah That's a good way Of putting it actually Yeah Freaking But Counterpart has a, a tighter story though Sure of course Of course yeah. yeah I mean it's not an insult I'm just saying it's more straightforward la. I mean this particular yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And as the conclusion nears The characters we've come to know uh, Come to terms with who they are And what they've become Each mm-hmm. in their own way yeah. Without getting any Giving anything away I think it's safe to say That the ending 
isn't one Philip K. Dick would have written. Nah. But for the show, the Manning and her high castle has become over four seasons. Makes it, sense. It delivers just the right mixture of resolution and lingering mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, any final thoughts before you give her anything? Uh, I'm gonna miss this show. Yeah. There's so many things I wanted to be explored. Yeah. Especially like now that Nazis never actually invaded the multiverse, despite teasing it for like three seasons. Yeah. You know? No, they couldn't like, because I mean they, they did like spy missions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you only had like six people going in at one time like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, but, I mean it's tricky. But the spy mission was cool though. Cool. Yeah. But counterpart yeah. has done it better. Of course. <laughs> but it's tricky because of the rules of this transdimensional. Yeah. Uh, you cannot go to a place where you already exist. Exactly. You, you must have died in that universe. Yeah. That you can go. Yeah. So I mean. How were they ever going to launch a full-scale invasion, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, overall, I'll rate it a uh, 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'll give it a 7 too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we'll talk about the long-awaited sequel to Zombieland uh, called Zombieland Double, Double Tap. Tap. Uh, a decade after Zombieland became a hit film and yeah. a cult classic, actually, to be honest. Uh, the lead cast, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin, and Emma Stone mm-hmm. reunites with uh, director Ruben Flesher. Yeah. Uh, most famously has done Venom since then <laughs> uh, and the original writers are Reed Reese and Paul Wernick who did Deadpool so that was a much better one uh, for Zombieland Double Tap yeah. uh, we're all big fans of the original so we were I guess initially excited for the long awaited follow up uh, mm. to one of the best zombie comedies of all time Sean yeah. did not, notwithstanding yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in the sequel the comic mayhem that stretches from the White House and through, uh, through the Heartland as the OG4 must face off against uh, many new kinds of zombies uh, yeah. that have since evolved from the first movie uh, as well as some new human survivors uh, but most of all I guess they're facing the growing pains of their own makeshift snarky family mm-hmm. uh, so how does it fare for you? Honestly it was still fun it still had the same beats of the first movie um, added a few you know, new characters and mm-hmm. all that stuff as a sequel does mm-hmm. uh, I like the the addition of Babylon that was oh. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> like that's an interesting concept. I it's don't know how it works. Tro- it's it's a very tropey though, thing, yeah. You know, it's a ve- but I like how they always make fun of the tropes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you had really good um, the chemistry between like Emma Stone and uh, uh, and uh, Jesse. Jesse Eisenberg is great, mm. especially the addition of Madison. Oh my god, Madison! Is hilarious. <laughs> Madison is perhaps one of my favorite characters. Uh, her, I mean, because she plays this bimbo who is super <laughs> this cliche la. Yeah, I, I think that, that sums up the movie. La. It's a bunch of tropes and cliches. La. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still something that is like uh, fun to watch. Mm. And nothing wrong with like... Yeah, it, it didn't hit the highs of the first movie, I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. It didn't hit the highs of the first movie. Yeah. However, I still had a lot of fun in this one. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, I, I just recently rewatched Zombieland mm. while I was in Bali, actually. Just in kind of preparation for that. And... Uh, uh, it's not bad. I think it's aged pretty well. The first movie, yes, so I, yeah. I was coming in with pretty high expectations as to mm-hmm. what they were trying to do with this. Given how, uh, when ten years ago when Zombieland first came out, right, it was kind of well not genre defining, right, but an entirely different beat from what we saw with Sean of the Day. I mean, it's a meta commentary on zombie movies, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was hoping, given the ten, the one whole decade of zombie stuff that we've been getting since then, yeah. that they would further that kind of meta uh, commentary, okay. and they didn't do that. Yeah, they but didn't. again, all in all, it was fun. I thought like a lot of the gags were great. Uh, the whole like Luke Wilson yeah. and. Uh, I but don't even it just didn't feel as good as the first. It one. was not satisfying. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the problem. Yeah, I felt like the the stakes weren't as high. Yeah. I felt like, um, despite the fact that you got a whole new breed of zombie that you should legitimately be terrified of, it never felt terrifying at any one point in time. I mean, yeah, they, were, they still killed it the same way, lah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. right. So there was nothing extra required of that. Yeah. You got this whole like new thing going on. Uh, I mean, like the stakes weren't high, and therefore the payoff didn't feel rewarding as well. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought like. Zombieland mostly kind of just the, f- the first movie just bigger and louder yeah Um. the gags from the previous films are all bigger you know like zombie kill of the year uh, kill of the week is now kill of the year yeah. Yeah. Uh, the 4-4 fall breaking voiceover is more aggressive now mm. yeah. uh, it also believes that explaining a joke is a necessary part of the joke telling process which it is not uh, you can do that once or twice and get away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like fast talking barrage of OBH is not the substitute for wit. Nope. Uh, and kind of a lot of the jokes kind of don't land yeah. uh, as much. Uh, with as not, much, not yeah. as much consistency. Yeah. It, it's it's the, the Deadpool 2 of Zombieland. Uh, oh, <laughs> where where, good, where more isn't it. always more. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it's good. Uh, it's funny, but it becomes tedious after a while. 
that being said, the reunion is amusing and it does kind of faithfully capture the brash escapist spirits of the original. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just kind of a case of diminishing returns, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's the same thing. Like, not as good as it's original. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, how would you guys... Uh, any final thoughts and how would you guys rate this? I mean, I, I still had fun watching it. Yeah. Um, again, like I said, Madison, highlight my of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll give it about a... Um, six and a half? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a six and a half for me too. All right, it's a it's a five for me. Okay. Uh, next up, we'll be going into a quick little segment we like to call "Quick Hits," Your uh, where I talk about some of the films that uh some of my co-hosts have not seen mm-hmm. or, or TV shows have not seen. Yeah. Because uh, you know, it is my job to watch films and TV for work. Uh, this time though, I think a couple of you have seen a couple of the titles about yeah. to mention, such as Frozen Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would like to kick it off with the Light House, which is uh Robert Eggers's uh Eggers's Robert Eggers uh follow up to The Witch. Uh, uh from I'm not sure whether it's 2017 and 2018, but it was I, well, I think it was last year, right? So those Yeah, yeah. And it's yet another I, I call it as the at SGIFF by the way, Singapore International uh, Film Festival. Okay. It'll be released wide in Singapore in February, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh do look out for that. But you know, here's a early review for you guys. Sure, man. Uh, it's yet another um, entrancing, very challenging, very artful, old-timey take on psychological horror. First of all, just to say that this aesthetic is the most unique thing I've seen this year. Okay. It's shot in black and white and on 35mm millimeter film, which means, you know, the, the picture is square. Uh, the presentation or itself already takes us back a century. Um, as for the story, jeez, uh, where do I begin? Um, because you see, right, I, yeah. have, I have not seen any trailers on The Lighthouse. It doesn't matter, anything, the trailers right? doesn't... Yeah, give any story. So the only the o- whenever you say the lighthouse, right? The only thing for some reason, right? The only thing I think of, right? Is yeah. Stanley from the office buying a lighthouse. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but uh, I'm guessing there's nothing to do with that, lah. Uh, oh, well, you don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's not not at all. Um, I guess ostensibly the the lighthouse is kind of this crazy sailors tall tale yarn about okay. um two lighthouse keepers on a remote New England island in the 1890s. It's a a stunning showcase for Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Oh, okay. The entire movie is built around their tour de force interplay, which kind of crescendos into a visceral battle of wills and bodily fluids. Uh, from the beginning, you can already tell that they get on each other's nerves. But when they are stuck together waiting out the terrible storm, uh, it gets unbearable. And through it all, they experience visions of tentacled creatures and fornication with mermaids and images straight out of Greek myths. Um, amidst the stinging air and all the frigid waves and, and all the physical suffering, we are also gripped by the thickening tension these two guys, as they just start to wear and wail on each other, and their disturbing inner selves begins to manifest. Okay. Um, it's something I can only describe as roommate horror. Uh, we've, we've all had that okay. one roommate you can't stand and yeah. imagine like being stuck with them for a long long time because you're a long like housekeeper yeah yeah and and you kind of just start to feel and smell the odours of filth as like loud flatulence and you know there's a lot of farts in here and human shit and semen from masturbation and vomit and urine kind of begin to pile up in their, in their cramped quarters yeah it's, it's a very disorienting film you're, you're never quite sure what is real or what is madness and the passage of time is murky has it been two days, two weeks, two months, two years? I'm not sure. Um, are the attacks by possessed seabirds and drowned gods uh, really real? I don't know. Uh, the only thing that's obvious is kind of this heightened sense of deteriorating sanity. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. It, it's brimming with like Jungian homoeroticism and like rich symbolism that kind of builds to a batshit crazy climax uh, that makes its allegories to Prometheus and Proteus very apparent. Okay. Uh, it's part black comedy. It's very, very funny. Uh, part psychodrama and part Lovecraftian horror. And as I mentioned, a, a Promethean tragedy as well. Yeah. Uh, because as you all know, like, Prometheus was all about the lights and illumination and one keeping yeah. and then getting tortured from the other. Fuck. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, this chamber piece about the mania of isolation is, is kind of the most textually rich and visually striking and brazen piece, uh, piece of um, cinematic artisanship I've seen this year. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I would definitely recommend it. Please go check it out when okay. it releases wide in Singapore. I'll give this uh, eight point five out of ten. Wow. Uh, next up, we'll be talking about Frozen Two, uh, mm. which was uh, if you remember Frozen back in twenty thirteen, nothing yeah. short of a phenomenon, right? Yep. Yeah. A runaway Disney blockbuster that kind of captured the zeitgeist with with 
Startling power Inspiring Broadway musicals Christmas specials Short films Theme park attractions The song that wouldn't shut up Tons of merchandise Yeah yeah And and not to mention It was actually like A good modern Disney princess film That ever was one Like uh, six years ago It's a bit different Yeah 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 Six years ago In my very last movie review I ever wrote For a website called InSync I got a lot of guff From my editors And, and some readers for, for giving Frozen A 5 out of 5 rating um, It's a rating I still stand by today Because for its intended audience it These amazing up. songs, yes. the the simple yet revolutionary story, the eye popping animation, it was perfect for its audience. Yeah. Uh I sensed that kids would love it. Like you know, like the way that kids loved the little mermaid back in my day. Mm-hmm. And if anything, time has pro- proven me right. La. Yeah, yeah. You know, with that. Um so the the prospect of a follow up is a daunting one. Very for sure, because uh, somewhat unbelievably I think Frozen 2 sort of lives up to its predecessor. Yes, yes, it does. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it's it's darker, it's more emotionally mature, uh, and a more complicated endeavor, which admittedly causes some minor stumbles, but also a beautiful, intricately designed little triumph. Uh, it's a great sequel that uh, transforms its protagonist in surprising ways mm-hmm. uh, by once again subverting fairy tale Disney princess tropes for something grander and more complex. Uh, the narrative is. Almost exclusively focused on the characters and their personal development, mm-hmm. uh, expressed once again uh, through big, spirited, soaring, catchy as fuck musical numbers, Good. and it's all done without the threat of some villainous foe. Uh, transformations and the journey to get there are paramount to the narrative. So, so what the hell? It's a character-driven Disney princess movie. Uh, yeah, it's for a ma- more mature audience that itself has grown up in the six years since the movie began. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It has a more expensive mythical tone. Uh, tied into a mystery surrounding Elsa and Anna's family history, its epic fantasy elements and and kind of like middle earthian stone giants, yes. to elemental spirits and indigenous tribal communities. Uh, I think like Moana before it, Frozen Two takes Disney further into uh, Studio Ghibli uh, territory, mm. uh, kind of dropping the binary good and evil storytelling for more nuanced depictions yeah. uh, of the balance between humanity and nature. Um, I think Isa caught this as well. What do you yes, think? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have high expectations going into Frozen Two, like you said. There's a lot to live up to. Yeah. Um, but in, in short, Frozen Two was pretty magical. Yeah. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, like I really, really enjoyed. I mean, like uh, the cinema I was in was filled with kids. Mm. Right. But uh, most of the time, it was the adults that were laughing out loud, mm. and I really appreciated that. I think like um a lot of very nuanced storytelling, a lot of very uh, interesting. Uh, inclusions of very adult kind of like discussions, right? Yeah. Especially with uh, Anna and Christophsa, mm-hmm. kind of like budding love and mm-hmm. and and the manifestation of that and their little quibbles that they have is hilariously funny. Uh, I think Olaf and his existential crisis took the cake for me yeah. this time around. Like yeah. the comic timing in general throughout the movie was spot on. Mm-hmm. Like it never felt out of place and it never felt forced. Yeah. Uh, and that's very difficult to achieve while trying to at the same time reach your target demographic while pleasing the parents of your target mm-hmm. demographic, right? And giving them enough for that and telling a good story. Uh, I do feel this time around that the songs weren't as grand Mm. Uh, still good songs but it's not good songs and, um, nothing like Let It Go like they no, will yeah, catch yeah, on to the side sure. guys right? yeah. uh, I think the theme song this time round was, was was interesting and good but it didn't have that kind of same the same kind of simplicity and and pop pizzazz that Let It Go had mm. uh, you know it's much more mature and I, I'm quite like you would think that a lot of the kids that watch Frozen in the beginning right had like not not six years more, so you'll be in the tweens now, pretty yeah. much. But the story here is much, much more mature than that. Yeah. yeah. So I really enjoyed it overall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, no sequel is essential, um, especially sequels for Disney princesses, since it negates the happily ever after. But yeah. uh, Frozen Two makes the argument that they can still be important because characters mature, mm. and no happy ending stays happy forever because people change. Yeah. Uh, so even if ca- if it can't recreate the same magic of the original, it still should be applauded for attempting like new things. Uh, I'm giving this a seven point five out of ten. I'm gonna give it an eight. Nice, yeah. I I think this is like the most highly rated movie of the month. Surprisingly, uh, next up we have uh Titans um second season. How did this uh, season go? Um, whew, uh Titans if you remember had an embarrassingly bad start. Uh. But it, it ended quite well. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, it, 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 
is in the middle was great and it ended badly. Uh, ti- well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah because okay, it didn't okay. have an ending. It didn't have an ending. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Titans has actually kind of find as found this whole thing as an entertaining superhero show. Unlike Arrow or Black Lightning or Flash, I don't find myself watching the clock to see how much time is left. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying that it's great or perfect or artful. It, it's none of those things. It's actually quite garbage half the time. Uh, I'm just saying that every episode feels like it goes by too fast and there's something to be said about that. Um, the second season quickly does away with the world-ending demonic tra- threat of Trigon to introduce a more human but far, far more exciting vil- villain in Deathstroke. Um, we see a new generation of Titans begin to take, take shape in Titans Tower in San Francisco. Uh, there is Jason Todd Robin, there is Raven, there is Beast Boy, there is Starfire, there is Superboy... And then oh. the old titans, Dick Grayson Robin, a.k.a. Nightwing, uh, Wonder Girl, Aqualette, Hawk and Dove are kind of grappling with the mistakes that made them disband in the first place. Yeah. So the show's fresh status quo is greatly elevated by the team's most iconic antagonists. Uh, and oh my gosh, Deathstroke is fucking cool, guys. Okay. Uh, this might be the most badass and most intimidating live-action Deathstroke I've ever seen. Plus, the introduction of Ian Glenn, a.k.a. Jorah Mormont, as old man Bruce Wayne works weirdly well. I don't see him as Batman because his physique is unimpressive, but he 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 pulls off the suave and manipulative billionaire well. Okay. Uh, Titans is still over the top, dark and edgy, and violently edge lordy. Um, and his storytelling is messy and incoherent, especially towards the end, when it's forced to pay off everything that is set up. But at least it's fun, right? Uh, your attention is constantly drawn away from whatever narrative mistakes they've made because there's so many things going on. Okay. Uh, it's not a great show. It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, How much are you rated? It's, yeah, because of the final episodes are like really lazy and slipshod, mm-hmm. and all the things that you throw at you to kind of distract you from the mistakes, you know, never do come together. It's a five out of ten for me. Ouch. Yeah. What do you give the last time that we did a review for? Uh, Six point five. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Alright. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't. I had fun with the season, but I don't think I will be uh, watching season three. Unfortunately, oh, okay. yeah. Uh, I do enjoy Connor Kent though. Okay. I thought it was a perfect addition. Anyways, uh, next I'll be talking about Castle Rock, which is a seasonal anthology once again based on uh, the Stephen King multiverse. Uh-huh. Uh, it returns in terrific form actually in season two. Uh, this time it delves deeper into the many works of Stephen King to mesh together a misery prequel with a Salem Slot prequel. And it ties together with the Sundog, the Shawshank Redemption, It, the Body, and much more. Uh, unlike season one, which was all over the place, this season is very focused, delivering a propulsive tale of warring families, Somali immigrants, and reanimated corpses. Uh, most notably, Lizzie Kaplan's take on a young Annie Wilkes is absolutely amazing, so captivating. Uh, kind of drawing upon elements of Kathy Bates's famed performance while making the role entirely her own. Besides her, um, Elsie Fisher, who you may know from 8th grade, uh, Tim Robbins, who returns to Shawshank, uh, <laughs> and uh, Barkhat Abdi. Uh, do you know who Barkhat Abdi is? Who is he? I am the captain now. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that the, the guy from Captain Phillips. Yeah. Uh, he's great as well. Um, while it never quite reaches the heights of season one, um, especially the beautiful Alzheimer's episode uh, with CC Spacek, it is more consistent overall. Okay. Uh, and better. So uh, check it out if you're a Stephen King nerd like me. Uh, it's a seven out of ten. All right. Uh, I'm going to be talking very quickly about the Adams Family. Uh, it's a new, a new animated version of the Addams Family. It's an origin story attempting to revive the Spooky Uki uh, franchise for a new generation. Uh, unfortunately, it is uh, so dull and empty and saturated that they will need to reboot it again. Uh, it's not terrible. It's just painfully meh. Uh, I mean, it's like, super forgettable. Yeah, with like a franchise like Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. Which yeah. does a lot with this kind of same Correct. theme, you know. Yeah, yeah. Gandhi Tatowski. We talked about Primal last, uh, exactly. last episode. That yeah. was him. Yeah. Uh, and weirdly enough, he also did Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, this one feels like it's a script written by community and it totally sends off all the creepy edges that makes the Adam family so fun and cool Yeah. to present kids with a more conformist, more palatable version of it. That's not Give nice. Give this a miss. It's a 4 out of 10. Okay. Uh, next up is uh, the uh, not the Adam family room one hundred four. Hey, how did that go? Uh, since its inception two years ago, the HBO anthology series Room One Hundred Four has been, I think, the single most creative anthology in modern television. The series is set in a single room of an American hotel, exploring characters who pass through it each episode. So um, even as episodes flit around genres and a, a bevy of different creative voices, the show somehow finds. Creative fe- flexibility while working working within the most restrictive stipulation I've seen on any anthology. Room one hundred four. Yeah, yeah. Um, while its first season explored action and drama and comedy and thriller, season two onwards started incorporating more supernatural, fantasy, horror, and sci-fi elements, which is why I'm talking about it here. Yeah. 
uh, even as the show continues to play with you know temporal and metaphysical ages of this lonely motel room, season three's standout installments uh, hue to a certain kind of rhythm that the show has been honing since it started. It has a simple opening which uh, gives way to a growing sinister layer of someone uh, in way deeper than they anticipated, all culminating in a shocking, often grotesque climax that is meant to have the audience reeling. Okay. Uh, maybe it's the relatively confined space or the limited number of people who can be in any given episode, but Room 104 has found an ideal way to engage with how power works in these stories. With the most intense two-handers, which is you know, um, basically stories with just two people, the upper hand switches enough times, often imperceptibly, uh, through shrewd dialogue that it's sometimes unclear who ends up in a position of control. Uh, and as much as this season's more inventive chapters do give individual writers and directors an expanded playground, Room 104 remains one of the best actor showcases on TV okay. because of its character-driven focus. Um, overall, Any cool episode? Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, its best episodes are tremendous. Like here are uh, four genre-centric uh, installments you should check out. Or maybe five lah. Uh, yeah, I'll run five. Okay, number one is called Itchy. Okay. It stars Arturo Crastro. You may know from Alternatino. Yes. Uh, or Broad City Narcos. or Narcos. Uh, this episode. Or now Silicon Valley. No Silicon Valley, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and this episode is film found footage style with Castro filming himself on his phone. Uh, Castro is a selfie man. Selfie style. Uh, sorry. Selfie style. Yes, Alfie, sorry, exactly. Uh, Castro is a man suffering from a lifelong skin condition, a rash, okay. that, that causes ugly, nasty rashes to develop around his body. He's quarantined himself in a new environment for 24 hours to make sure that it isn't caused by something at home or work. Uh, and he's sending video updates to his doctor. Uh, this is such uh, an equi- exquisitely gross, super disgusting body horror episode that will make you want to vomit and laugh at the same time. And, and, and best of all, the rash is alien in origin. I knew And it. don't... Want to spoil the ending But it's pretty insane okay. Yeah uh, Next up is an episode Called The Plot Ooh. Uh, This episode Strangely enough Takes place in the desert in the, ni- in the 1910s Or the 1920s Before uh, the hot motel was built Yes uh, It takes a while To figure out What's happening uh, Or why it's taking place Outdoors But it turns out It is the spot Where room 104 Will be built no, like, it's the plot yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah It follows a disagreement befe- Between a brother Played by Luke Wilson And her sister uh, Who are building The, the hotel, hotel. Uh, And it's further complicated By the arrival of a demon uh, oh, this, no. is, this is as close As Room 104 Has ever gotten To self-mythologizing and So there's it, a bit Of world building here like. Yeah yeah And a really compelling Origin story for Room 104 uh, Next up we have <coughs> an Sorry episode Episode called Night Shift Episode 10 Yeah It follows the creator Of a 90 The creators Of a 1970s Horror TV show As they talk to a podcaster uh-huh. uh, About the origins Of their cult classic program uh, As the podcast goes on Old grudges emerge Especially One over a love triangle Okay uh, The reason the show broke up Was because the two showrunners You know Fell in love with a set designer Aww. And then, blah 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 Yeah And the reasons for why The show ended Became apparent uh, Plus uh, One of the show's creators Is revealed to be An actual vampire But that's not Even the twist uh, This is a great example Of how horror comedy Can make use of Campy nostalgia To great effects Okay uh, Okay Last two I'll go through this Very quickly sure. Uh Episode called, called Crossroads uh-huh. Episode 11 Paul F. Tompkins Plays Satan's lawyer <laughs> On earth In charge Devil's of get- advocate, Yeah In charge of getting people To sign The contract To sell their souls In exchange for fame Or fortune Or earthly pleasures Or whatever they want This episode is a comedy About a lawyer Who is Farah with his job And always wants the clients To read the fine print uh. If they don't He explains it to them clearly Eternal damnation guys the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, he's always frustrated because no one ever reads the contract because they're so eager for the rewards. Yeah. And whenever they're about to die, he is so annoyed that everyone claims that they didn't know what they were signing. I tried it's to tell so you. It's so frustrating, especially <laughs> as an insurance agent, you must yeah, know how this feels like. Yeah. And after a millennium of this, he's tired and he's looking to retire. Yeah. That is until he meets a particularly difficult client who presents him with an intriguing counter-proposal. Okay. Uh, this was a funny and insightful episode about human hubris and uh, middle management hell. Uh, okay, final episode I'll talk about is called Rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, it follows an apocalyptic event where the Earth is dislodged from its rotation around the Sun. Oh hey. no! Oh no! Like that Chinese movie. That Chinese movie. About. What was it called? Uh, Wandering Earth. Wandering Earth. <laughs> yeah. So this one follows a traumatized teenage girl and a psychically gifted scavenger who take refuge from the chaos in Room One Hundred Four. 
Together they find common ground in their struggle for a future through a prophecy that is fulfilled in a very surprising way. Okay. Yep. L- yep. Less it needed. Yeah, uh, and that's it for this month's uh, quick, quick hits. hits. You know, uh, and I'll cap it off with uh, the pool list. Yeah. Where we'll be talking about the unbeatable Squirrel. I think it's a comic that we've all read before. Okay. Uh, I think it's. This modern incarnation of the uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is one of the greatest, unlikeliest success stories in superhero comics. Kind of turning a joke character into the star of a clever, heartfelt, and incredibly fun young adult series yeah. that has become a gateway for readers of all ages. Yeah. But you know, nothing lasts forever. And after two volumes, 58 issues, and one original graphic novel, and a 2017 uh, Eisner Award. Yeah. Uh, the ongoing adventures of Doreen Green and her squad of computer science undergrads have come to an end this oh. month, sadly. Yeah. Now keep in mind, this isn't a cancellation. The creative team of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, led by writer Ryan North, has decided to wrap up the series after telling the stories he has wanted to tell. Yeah. Uh, and through it all, it has you know a, the hilarious meta humor, the nutty adventures. This comic has been like it's such a pure <laughs> nutty adventure, pure joy to read, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, whether she's fighting Galactus or applying for her new courses in school, yeah. Uh, Doreen and her friends have such exuberance and optimism. Uh, it's almost like the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt of superheroes. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, you know, what what you. Guys I mean from what I read yeah. A few Two years ago la, Yep uh, This was I thought was quite Mind blowing And quite an interesting Way of presenting A, a superhero girl mm-hmm. um, Squirrel girl's uh, Innocence I would say Yet her naivety Always proves to be The better option mm-hmm. You know what I mean Than being like uh, your, your You know Your normal cynical superhero Your jaded superhero Like Unbeatable uh, Squirrel girl's Constant Um can do positive attitude or something refreshing like in comic books I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, I saw you you've read a bit of Squirrel Girl as well, right? Yeah, I have. I, I mean I'm not uh, as up to date. I've heard a lot about um the series finale especially. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to catching up with all of that. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean uh highly recommended uh on rate series. It? Sorry? Why will you read it? Uh, I mean, this is a recommendation, man. So yeah. of course, like you know, recommended like it's high like it's, yeah. it's I mean, overall, it's an eight out of ten nice. as a comic book. All through yeah. fifty eight issues, you know, uh, begin of issue one. Uh, there's so much to enjoy. Her fights with Craven, her fights with Galactus, <laughs> how she tries to rebuild uh, a library, uh, and and Tipito, her uh, her, her squirrel sidekick, sidekick yeah. and man, like uh, e- even when the series. Crosses over with the big Marvel events, yeah. it somehow manages to find a way to make it its own. Yeah, you know, uh, so you know, like currently, like War of the Realms is happening yeah. now, the Thor and Asgard thing, and then somehow the Squirrel tie-ins are so Squirrel, you know, <laughs> it it makes sense la. It makes sense. Squirrel is one of the best things that Marvel has ever done in recent times. I agree, definitely. Uh, and we're gonna cap off this uh, episode with something we like to call uh, ten for twenty tens. Oh, ten to twenty tens. Uh, this is actually our last episode of the decade, guys. It is. Yeah, because uh, the next time we re- we record, it will be it will be released. You'll be only released in January. January first, so yeah. the decade has ended. So now that the twenty tens have ended, I've decided to propose to my co-host to oh, name yeah. the ten best movies, TV shows, or bits of literature that you've read over the last ten years. Okay. So keep in mind, no, uh, honorable mentions. No. Just say what is your top ten. Yeah. We've haven't told each other what it is. Yeah. Like this is quite surprising. Yeah, we haven't told each other what Isa it is. Isa is not in this so, exercise though. So Isa is not in, but maybe Isa can comment on like our picks yeah. and what he would replace with them. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe like so there's a pick that's just fucking ridiculous and he was gonna call us out on that or yeah. what or maybe he will shift the rankings or whatever. Okay. Okay, let's let's begin with the ten best movies of twenty ten. Genre movies, of course. Yeah. So why is this movies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have time to do series. And, okay, uh, let's yeah. let's do movies for for Hardy first. Uh, from ten to one. Okay, so my tenth is uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Okay. Number nine, Snowpiercer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Ad Astra. Yeah. Uh, seven is Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim, number six. Ooh, hi. Uh, Annihilation at five. Yeah. Uh, Ex Machina at four. Mm-hmm. Age of Tomorrow at three. Mm-hmm. Her at two. Mm-hmm. And Arrival at one. Wow, there's a very clear trend. <laughs> I feel like throughout everything that, that you've named. But yeah, okay. I mean, I would definitely wouldn't put Pacific Rim that I high. Love Pacific Rim. Yeah, but we, we understand that. Yeah. We know that. I could, if I could put it number one, I would have. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
I guess, like, in general, I would agree with most of that. I think a lot of, like, like Annihilation, Ex Machina, Arrival, and, and Astra are definitely high yeah. uh, on, on the list of things this decade for me. But, uh, okay, I can see, like, this is a very you list. Yeah. Very clearly. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Hits? Uh, my number 10 is something he put at number 2. Uh, her. Mm, okay. uh, and I do want to mention that Astra and uh, Ex Machina almost made it. Almost <laughs> made it. But they're not on the list. Okay, what's, the what's list. your 10? Almost. Uh. Number 10 is her. Number nine is The Babadook uh, by Jennifer Kent. Oh, one of the best a good one. horror movies of yeah. the decade. Uh, number eight is a little known sci-fi movie called Coherence. Oh, um, I kind of okay. don't want I don't want to describe it because you know the, you find out the twist for yourself. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, number seven is another little known sci-fi movie out of Australia starring Ethan Hawke called Predestination. Oh, oh, yeah. One yes. of the best okay. examples of time loops I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, number six Because it's been memed so often And because it's become part of a vernacular People yeah. forget that it was mind-blowing When it was released yeah. uh, Inception is mm. number six Yeah, I wanted to see people That was of, like my top 20 Yeah, yeah But yeah. I mean, I, I feel like people have Are kind of like underrating Inception now Because it's become such a meme I mean, after Inception was Interstellar People Correct, remember yeah. Interstellar more than Inception sometimes Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My number five is something you rated highly as well uh, Arrival Yes Which is your I number one Arrival. Uh, number four is Hereditary uh, One Ooh. of the best horror movies Of last Ooh. year Yeah you see the, the thing about horror for me Is that I'm not so keen on it mm. yeah, I like it But mm. it's not, yeah. Therefore it's not In my top ten Okay, okay. Uh, Number three Is uh, Your Name uh, Oh that anime. was a good one I totally oh. forgot about that uh, Number two is uh, Jordan Peele's Directorial debut Get, Get Out, out. Yeah. Uh, And number one Is Yorgos Lanthimos' The Lobster Oh, about wow. uh, single people who go to a hotel, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get wow. turned into animals if you don't fall in love. It's uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and the story that the lobster only has one partner. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I did not expect the your first to be the lobster. Yes. Yeah. That's right. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Is yeah. You, how did you come to that? Yeah. I found it to be the most interesting story of everything that I've seen in 2010s. Mm, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, your name had an interesting story, Annihilation, Ex Machina, but they're all like kind of concepts or coherence of predestination, time loops and all. Even then, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or the Babadook, Ghost, uh, and Demon. I was, I, or her AI. I don't know. I've seen like, I've read multiple variations of these stories. So they seen. were derivative? Uh, they were to an extent, to an but extent, done uh, very, very well. Yeah, 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 One yeah, thing yeah. that the lobster is, is deriv- not is derivative. It's uh, new. It is an entire. It's an original premise, and in a in a, a space in the genre space where we are inundated with so much sequels and derivativeness and and vanilla superhero like stuff. Got, you like, know, you got like ten options. You know, you go aliens, you go ghosts. Yeah, you go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I mean, and and since like Charlie Kaufman like didn't have something notable this decade, like this is it. This la. is it. Like la. the lobster was entirely fresh and original. La. So I, I pride kind of like freshness more than or right. originality more than everything else. La. How about your TV list? TV list, uh, number oh, I mean a lot of TV that I watch. Yeah, but I so, mean, but we're talking genre TV, right? Correct, genre mm. TV. Uh, number ten is something that when it first debuted, I never thought it would ever be on my list. Okay, it's a grower. Not a not show. Sure. It's is a it? Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah, that's such a good number shows. ten. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similarly, number nine also a grower, not a show. Uh, the it? Magicians. Ah, okay, so it's recently yeah. become one of my like favorites. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number eight is uh, I think everyone would agree that this is a great sci-fi show. Uh, the Expense. Oh, excellent! Yes. I can't definitely. wait for the final season. Can't wait for the final season. We should be talking about next month. Actually, it's the final, right? Final. No, 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 it's no, the it's not. No, 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 no. It hasn't been re- It has been renewed for the fifth. It's not final season. Oh, yeah, damn. Okay, yeah. that, that yeah. makes me happier. But new new uh, owners. Yeah, yeah. 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 Amazon money. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the final season, uh, next year, final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming in at my number seven. Makes mm. sense. Another grower, not a show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, weird first season. Weird first season. <laughs> yeah. Half, half of a season. Uh, half of And then, you know, Winter Soldier. We had Sol- to tie in with Civil War and all that. Uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but once Heal Hydra happened, woof. The show, like, the show took off yeah. uh, Number 6 Is Steven Universe Makes sense. One of my favourite mm. cartoons Makes Of sense. all time okay. Number 5 uh, This one is undeniable Rick and Morty yeah. Anyone that does a top 10 If Rick and Morty is not in your top 10 I kind of question you yeah. Yeah. So it's one of the most fantastic Don't just do it to be contrarian you know? like, Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Rick and Morty is like legitimately one of <laughs> exactly. the best right? yeah. uh, Number 4 uh, The Good Place <laughs> One of the best comedies yeah. of, uh, and, and there aren't many comedies uh, That are genre That's yeah. honest yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, That was number 4 right? Yeah number 3 Number 3 is the leftovers? Yes. Okay. Uh, one Justin of the Thoreau's one of the best Damon Lindelof shows ever made. Justin Justin Theroux. Theroux. 
Okay, not you. not Trudeau. That Trudeau. is the Prime Minister, Prime Minister of Canada. Of Canada. Yeah. yeah, the leftovers is set in a post-rapture oh, world, yeah. and and it, it be, the seasons two and three were just some of the most creative things I haven't seen on TV. Okay. Number two, the wire gonna be very controversial. Gonna be very controversial <laughs> yeah. because uh, it's new. Okay, let's see what it is. It's a uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. I knew yeah. it. Which but is, I mean that this it has been just growing from you strength even, to strength. You haven't even seen episode five and six. No, right? five. I just did just now. Oh, yeah. and you haven't seen six, right? Six, I haven't. Okay. I, I only the first like ten minutes, and I'm really like. Yeah, yeah. So try to is, do this podcast. The, the, <laughs> I mean, the, this is a new show, and it hasn't even ended yet. And yeah. It's already my number. Two. You don't know whether how season two, three, four, five might be. Uh, it's a one season show. Them and them not. Oh, they're not gonna nine, 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 nine episodes and and it's done. So it does have a definite ending, and everything will be wrapped up. Okay. Yeah, and if it, there is a season two, he will hand it off to another showrunner. That's but what he said they, la, yeah, this yeah. is this is his season la. Okay. And based on the strength of like just six episodes, it's number two. I mean, if the next three episodes uh, are shit. <laughs> Keep yeah shit it might go or if it gets better which I can't imagine but it did it keeps getting better it does, yeah. then it might even be number one okay but yeah for now it's number two uh, Watchmen uh, okay. new fresh a bit of recency bias but I don't know yeah maybe yeah. Uh, number one uh, <laughs> Bojack Game of Bojack Horseman yeah Bojack, yeah. Bojack Horseman yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Game of Truth yeah Bojack Horseman itself hasn't ended yet yeah. you, know, so I, you know what I, of, of the entire list number one was the only one that I figured was going to be Bojack, Bojack. Yeah. yeah because yeah. we raved it's the perfect scoring uh, yeah, series that we have three seasons in a row, man. Yeah, three seasons. Yeah, four uh, seasons where definitely Bojack is the most consistently perfect show. Yeah. Not consistently good or great, okay, like consistently perfect, perfect show, show yeah. that there is la. So hard to not make it number yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, and strangely enough, Damon Lindelof has like two entries in my top three. <laughs> yeah. You're a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan. I mean, like, I mean, Lost would never make it in the top ten of like the two thousands la. But yeah, it, yeah. Lost at its height. Was was just, just as good as the leftovers yeah. or or Watchmen? It just never consistently <laughs> remain at the I mean, height. It's a network show, lah. There's things that you can't do, lah. Twenty-four episodes a season, exactly. Plot, yeah, and, yeah. And then yeah. they never told him when he could handle. Very you know. different. Yeah. yeah, it's very different. Okay, so uh, quickly top ten for books. Oh yeah, this one. I it don't is, read much, so what? Tell me. Uh, first one is number ten, Black Leopard, Red Wolf by okay. Marlon James. Mm. Uh, kind of uh, you raved about this before. Raved about this. Yeah. It, it's an African fantasy. Yeah. Uh, kind of based on little-known African folklore. Yeah. Very well done. Very okay. well done. What else? Uh, number nine is a comic series called Hawkeye by uh Matt Fraction and David Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, the most definitive and iconic take on the character this decade. Sorry, Jeremy Renner. Uh. <sighs> Over the course of 22 issues, it's it turned Clint Barton into an everyman and explored what he does when he's not being an Avenger and, and it's such a great, great, great uh, and often creative uh, comic book series because, you know, there's, there's an entire issue from the perspective of a dog, there is an entire issue with just American Sign Language uh, yeah. and just compli- complex uh, constructed stories, you know. Um, Amazing, amazing. Okay. I really, really love Hawkeye. What else? Uh, next up at number... That was nine. Number eight is a novel called The Three-Body Problem. Mm. Uh, it is actually a hard sci-fi novel by Chinese writer Liu Shizin. Okay. Uh, but seeing as I can't read Mandarin, I'm also crediting Ken Liu. Uh, oh, uh, himself translation. And, uh. Of course, he did translation. Himself, an award-winning sci-fi author. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was originally... a. Uh, as I mentioned like A Chinese thing uh, But in 2015 The English version Became available It also won a bunch Of Hugo and Nebula awards nice. uh, It's set against The backdrop of China's Cultural revolution And Ooh. then there's An alien invasion And And uh, uh, hmm, And Ready Player One-esque uh, AI system okay. Or a VR system You okay. know So it has a lot of like Sci-fi concepts You know But it's just So amazing Okay Yeah uh, The three body problem Do definitely buy that book If you haven't Okay, what else you have? Uh, next up uh, is Miss Marvel by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, is the first Muslim character to ever headline their own solo Marvel title. Well, Miss uh, Marvel has been great. Though. Correct, yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, Kamala has already created her own legend. Uh, she's an icon for, you know, Muslims and Pakistani Americans. And, and girls. Uh, yeah, and girls. Uh, they're, they're so often denied in pop culture and sp- superhero yeah. representation. It's the 21st century Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Monstrous by Marjorie Lu and Sana yeah. Takeda. You also have raved about Correct, this. Correct, yeah. I mean, it's kind of this fusion of Miyazaki, Lovecraft, steampunk, and manga into yeah. like this beautiful fantasy story and harrowing fantasy story about war, hunger, and slavery in matriarchal Asia. Okay. Uh, gorgeous comic book, you know. And you know, specifically, like Takeda's uh, manga-inspired style is amazing. And Mar- Marjorie Liu's... Uh, World building is one of the most rich and detailed fantasy worlds uh, on my list. Okay. Uh, next up at I think number five 
is The Art of Charlie Chan Hock Chai hey. uh, By our boy Sunny Liu uh, yeah. Suck it NAC uh, <laughs> It's an alternate history biography Showcasing the life and work of Chan Hock Chai A pioneering but forgotten comic artist in Singapore Of course in a fictional Uh, yeah, this is an amazing multi-layered meta-textual work of genius, a tour de force masterpiece, and I think uh, the singular greatest work of art Singapore has ever produced is Charlie Chang Hot Chai mm-hmm. by uh, Sunny Liu. Yeah. Uh, number four is a comic called Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Barr. Basically, it stars this guy called Brass de Oliver Domingos, Brass lah, uh, who dies over and over again uh, in a miniseries where Each issue shows the main character's final day at a different point of his life. Okay. So that's right. Each issue tells the story of one moment in the life of the main character, but every chapter also it ends in his death. But the subsequent issue retains every plot detail except for the death. Uh, so it just keeps continuing, lah. So okay. here is what it looks like to treasure every moment as if it might be your last uh, and living, so that you know you're content when your final day comes. Uh, this was one of comic book's greatest tearjerkers, kind of meditating on the nature of life and death in self-contained chapters that exist in different emotional landscapes depending on where they fall. Okay. You know, if you die at a certain time, it's a different emotional context. If you die at another time, it's a different emotional context. Exactly. Uh, number four is the fifth season by N.K. Jemisin, the first installment of uh, her Hugo Awards hat trick. The fifth, the fifth season, you know, part of a trilogy. Uh, follows three origins uh, People with the power To control seismic activity As they struggle to survive In a society That wants to enslave And kill them yeah. Uh, So yeah The fifth season it, it Asks us to imagine The dismantling of earth In both the literal And metaphorical sense And suggests that the, It suggests a possibility Of a richer And more fundamental escape Uh, yeah, the end of the world becomes a triumph when the world is monstrous. So, uh, this is a great book. I I would encourage you to read all three of the Broken Earth trilogy, though. Uh, N.K. Jameson, one of the best fantasy writers of our time. Nice. Uh, number two is Mr. Miracle by one of the greatest comic book writers of our time, Tom King. Okay. Uh, this twelve issue limited series, writer Tom King and artist Mitch Gerards, grounded. And found intimacy in a cosmic and bombastic mythology of Jack Kirby's New Gods by funding, you know, the the central intergalactic war through Scott Free and Big Bada's struggles with parenthood. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was this was just fantastic work, and and Tom King has only done fantastic work. I I wanted to include more Tom King stuff in here. It's just that I didn't want it to be like the a ten, Tom King list, the ten best Tom King books of twenty yeah. tens. Uh, yeah. That's another list. Like. That's another list, yeah. you know. What else uh, we have? Number one though uh, Speaking of writers Who could have multiple entries here yeah. Is Brian K. Bond And Fiona Staples' Saga okay. I, I think like I don't need to say anything yeah. about Saga Everybody loves Saga yeah. the, the greatest space opera since Star Wars yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's like debatable uh. it's, it's just a fantastic work of literature 54 issues down 54 more to go And I'm convinced that the next 54 issues Will end up being Number one in my 2020 list as well Yeah So no, if if this podcast if you're listening to us <coughs> in 2029, listen back to here. I called it. You called it. Sega will be number one again. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. 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 That's it for our ten for tens. And I mean, like, uh, was there anything I missed out, Isa, that you would, or, or me and Hadi missed out that you have like included? Oh uh, no! I mean, like, it's pretty comprehensive, man. <laughs> as far as it goes, I think like largely I agree. I would agree with almost all of your choices for <laughs> the, sorry for the TV series. Uh, uh, and like most of your choices on on the movies as well. As for the books, I I mean Saga definitely mm. one uh of the top, and there are a couple of them that I'm still on the way to like kind of finishing. So we'll yeah. see whether or not like I'll make up my mind about those in the weeks to come. Nice, nice. This is a nice compact short one. Our episode, uh, but. Strap in, guys, because that's not what our next episode will be. <laughs> yeah, our next episode is uh, like um, it should can be a multi episode. It could be multi episode. I yeah. feel like we should be doing like twenty four point five and then twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, the twenty four point five obviously being a three hour Watchmen episode. Yeah. Uh, where, <laughs> Jesus. I can't wait to talk about it. Uh yeah. Uh next month we'll be talking about Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker. Pretty I much. Can't yeah, wait I to talk about it too. The biggest thing of the yeah. year. Uh, the Mandalorian Which uh, is great Another Star Wars yeah. Amazing property Which is probably Let's be honest Going to be better than Star Wars 9 Star Wars has been like On a roll uh. This The Mandalorian has been great Fallen yeah. Jedi is not a bad game Yeah And now we have Rise of, the, of Skywalker To look forward to Hopefully Hopefully it sticks Hopefully the uh. Yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, then we also be, you know, uh, Probably be talking At length about The Watchmen Yes uh, Damon Lindelof's uh, Revolutionary Radical take On Alan Moss Horse material mm-hmm. uh, That's gonna be the, a third of that The Expense Returns Can't wait yes. for that 
his dark materials actually I think is kind of kind of killing it as it's well. Not bad, yeah. Low key, I like uh, The Witcher is coming up next month. Also. Looks promising. Oh boy, the five part crisis on infinite earths <laughs> is happening, starring every DC character that's ever been on TV. The CW lah. No. 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 No, Smallville and oh and yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, 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 and and Lewis and Clark. Uh, I haven't watched it. The yeah. 1994 show. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, I haven't watched it since 1995 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like every so wait, single. So Terry Hatcher coming back. I mean, she was in uh Supergirl. Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, never mind. But like bits of that canon, I don't know how long they'll be sticking in that universe. Yeah, that's right. And then there's a Smallville universe, there's a Huntress universe, there's a Constantine. Oh yeah, and, I forgot about Constantine. And, so many other There's Kingdom Come That they're introducing Forgot about that too You know Brandon Roof right uh, Kevin the... Conroy Is playing Old Man Batman From Batman Beyond Universe Makes sense It's It's just, it's just so much It's too much I don't know how they're gonna do this Okay Hopefully they will. They will. Hopefully it works lah Yeah We'll also be talking about Ray and Morty Which returned recently So far so good uh, We're only talking about The first half of the yeah, yeah. Of the season But yeah. you know Since it's they're gonna a, be taking Another extended exactly. break Let's talk about it But there's like They have like 70 plus episodes That they're yeah. gonna do right Yeah Yeah Yeah, okay, yeah. If, if they keep If they really stick to that Then we'll be talking about Ray and Morty for, for a long, long time. time Yeah uh, And then in quick hits I'll be talking about A new Senegalese ghost story Called Atlantics Cool an animated French movie called I Lost My Body about a severed hand trying to find its owner. Cool. Uh, last season of Runaway, sadly. Okay. Uh, and two bizarrely <laughs> mediocre Apple TV shows called C and For All Mankind. C is the one with Jason Momoa, right? Yeah, about a world where Everybody's people have blind. lost sight and then his children got sight and then they were up in society. It's okay, nah. biz- It's weird. Lah. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. It time. has like the grittiness of like Mad Max. But but it's treated like Xena. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Okay. Now definitely we're going to like watch storytelling that. wise. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it's campy, and then there's I don't know. I don't know okay. what it is. It's okay. so bizarre. Okay. And then for all mankind is Ronald D. Moore, uh, the creator of Battlestar Galactica, yeah. Deep Space Nine, yeah, and yeah. Outlander uh, has an alternate history show uh, about the space race where the Russians beat American to the moon. To the moon. Uh, and because of that America has decided to ramp up its space program you know because you know when America went to the moon they basically like sped off like we won this is it yeah. but if they didn't go to the moon you know I how, mean, how much more ten- how much more advanced would the would the space uh, program be because right. they will keep advancing and advancing and advancing I mean yeah, like, the whole space race thing is an interesting uh, historical uh, thing that happened like. yeah uh, I mean Russia actually made it to the to space first yeah uh, therefore started the space race Exactly With the moon landing The first moon landing Being the Triumphant landing Correct yeah I think there's what 17 landings after that The Apollo missions And all yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. The, the crown I'm sorry like The crown episode Of the moon landing I don't know if you got there already uh, Not yet it, it did the worst Possible thing you could do By framing it From Philip's point of view like no! not, not, nothing from Philips one. No, no, this is not the Crown podcast. Never. I know. We'll we'll talk about we'll that talk about in that our <laughs> Anglophile uh, podcast. Number when one. we talk about Downton Abbey, uh, Downton Abbey and the Crown, <laughs> basically. Uh, till then, this has been Hit Zero. I'm Hardy. I'm Isa. Uh, we'll catch you next month. Uh, see you then, guys. Bye, guys.